0: Alright, my garden plants and my cat are certainly delighted to hear about the opinions and weekly updates from you guys. <laughs> I'm glad to know that we ha- we can count garden plants and cats among
1: our listeners. We should count them. You are now listening to Good, Bad, or Bullshit.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Good, Bad, or Bullshit Podcast. Unrehearsed, randomized review without the bull. Joining us today, as always, is Mr. Crofton Steers. Crofton, hello. Hello, Mo. Hey, everybody! And also joining us today is the inimitable Michael Hodgins. Mike, hello. Hello. I still don't think that's quite a word, <laughs> inimitable. I know, I just can't help myself. Uh, How are you gentlemen doing today? We're doing,
1: I'm doing pretty good there, Bo. Hence my high energy greeting to you. Uh, I'm
2: doing pretty well too. And I'm anxious to hear about Crofton's homework from last episode.
0: That's true. It's homework time. Oh man, I wish I had a bumper to play. Oh well. Here it is. Crofton's homework. I'll fail. I really ruined that last note, Crofton. Yeah, stick
1: with acting. So um, la-
0: last last <laughs> last time we had asked you for, um, I guess, to tell us the
2: history of, of where cold turkey comes from. Wouldn't it be the etymology? Isn't that what it is? The etymology. Yeah,
1: it, it is. It is the etymology, and you know that because you're looking at the same Wikipedia entry that I'm looking at. No,
2: I'm not looking at anything. I drew that from the Wikipedia that's in my brain. Uh, <laughs> FYI, it's far worse than the real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, well, I expect that you you researched a number of sources, not just Wikipedia, right?
1: Of course, uh, Wikipedia links to other sources, so I just clicked from there. Um, the that's called, uh, that's called smart research, Bo. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, my
1: bad. My bad. Now the thing the thing is I set myself up for this homework. I was the one that asked the question, assuming that one of you guys would have the answer to it. Of course, you didn't, and you know what? Looking into it, it kind of makes sense why you didn't, because there is no clear answer of of where cold turkey comes from. There's multiple hypotheses uh, with regards to the. the etymology of cold turkey it's an american expression although its first recorded published used was in the 1920s uh, in a canadian newspaper um in terms of uh, in terms of talking about like quitting addiction you know and, and how we use it now it's always been used in that way but i guess like i'm not sure if you guys we don't use this expression much here but in the states they often say talking Turkey, like we're gonna be, we're gonna, It's like getting down to brass tacks or whatever. It's like huh. we're talk, we're talking turkey, which means we're getting right down to business. Um, and so, uh, um, the, one of the theories is that it it uh, it used to be um, th- that expression definitely used to be talking cold turkey, huh. uh, and it what? got re- it got wow. reduced to talk in Turkey. Yeah, I know. It, it it used to be like I, I'm going to hear the uh, the speech. He's going to be talking the the full cold turkey, which was then then it got reduced to talking turkey. So that's one where, and then cold turkey like got pulled out of there to refer to like kicking a habit in the sense that like it's the straight honest goods. Like, like no, no crap, no AIDS, no nothing, right? But other other explanations are that it, it was used with regards to quitting heroin and people's skin would get like really pale and white and like sort of have goosebumps and stuff and, and it would mm-hmm. look a lot like, like – um, Like
0: you were a cold turkey in a grocery store. Is that yeah,
1: literally, literally look like a cold turkey carcass or that, something. That's, like that, uh, you know?
0: that's pretty gross, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I know, and there's even one that they they, they refer to it um, the period after Christmas and Thanksgiving, where people are eating lots of cold turkeys leftovers because uh, they're trying to settle their stomachs after having a lot of booze. Uh-huh. Uh, so that that's that's another link as well. Anyway, there's a, a whole bunch of theories, but what I thought was most interesting was how nobody knows really for sure where cold ter- the cold turkey going cold turkey expression comes from, and that it's an American thing, and that how words how words change and how many expressions you use if you were trying to learn a new language, like if you're trying to learn French or English or whatever, you've gotta like these are expressions that people use in Everyday speech and you would totally screw somebody up, you know, like uh, they would not know what that means. And then when you explain it, you'd be like, where did that even come from, you know? (laughs)
0: Okay. So the answer I was I was kind of a little disappointed. I was kind of expecting there'd be a story about Abraham uh, or something from the Bible about this, but uh No. Okay. It's, <laughs> such such it, is the malleability of language. That's, yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So um all right, well, thank you for that wonderful report, Crofton. Was there any other points before we move on or is that Hey, much- I
2: learned a new word or or an etymology of a word. Uh the <laughs> word caucus uh, you know, used in political things often, is a First Nations word. I didn't know that.
0: Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that either. There you
2: go. The more you know. What does it mean in First Nations? I, don't, I probably, I don't it know. It means caucus. It probably, yeah, it means caucus. <laughs> Maybe it means get together or holding, like, a group of people in meeting. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Ironically, but, uh, well, they, yeah.
1: don't, they don't giggle like schoolgirls when they say it.
0: Well, Mike caucus. now has homework for next week, so uh you'll find uh give us more details about the history of the word caucus. Oh All
1: man, right.
2: this is gonna be a segment now. Yeah.
1: See, it's funny how our podcast is becoming like stuff you should know for stupid people that don't really know anything, you know? Like I'm like, hey, cold turkey, who knows what that means? Nobody? Me neither. But Maybe. that's
2: more like reality, you know? You don't know something and then you try to find out. It's not like we're just basking knowledge. Is
1: I pretend to know.
2: Um, should we get to a topic?
0: Yes. Yeah, I believe we should. So uh, let's uh, let's get that fine piece of randomizing engineering in your garage uh, gassed up and ready to go. We- Do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's talk some cool turkey jets. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't feel right. Even talking turkey. Like, it's American. We're Canadians. knuckleheads.
2: There's oh. n- nothing serious about turkey. Oh, this one is... Uh... Full of nerdly goodness. The topic today is Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Ah, ding,
0: ding. I uh, I attack well, Crofton with my bow of aiming
2: he was using his imagination to make uh, battle
0: yes when you said the word dungeons and dragons this a big light opened from the top of my head and above my head there was forests and starry skies and pegasi flying across the scenery
2: and, Pegas- and, and a- i don't know that i've heard the plural of pegasus before oh,
0: now. it's definitely pegasi that's interesting and um you wouldn't know and there's like there's a there's a there's a elf uh, ranger with her bow drawn Going to shoot this giant dragon sort of deal. Anyways, Dungeons and Dragons, the land of imagination.
2: All right, maybe you should
0: you should explain it. All right, um, Dungeons and Dragons is a role playing game. It's also an an iconic franchise because there are different types of role playing games, but it's I think considered the forefather or the 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 progenitor, the 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 first of its type to exist in the world. So um, all to the uninitiated role-playing games just tends to get referred to as like Dungeons and Dragons. And so the idea is you sit down at a table with a bunch of your friends and there's a whole bunch of rules um, as to how play gets carried out, um, how conflicts are resolved and if feats of heroic action are resolved. But at the core, it's sort of a shared storytelling. So you have one guy who's a dungeon master who... Acts as the impartial world, so when you try to do a sweet trick on your skateboard, you know the world tells you if you succeeded or not, depending if there was a wall in the way. So the DM represents those kinds of circumstances, and all the other players discuss what they're going to say and do and have agency in that in that imaginary world, um, and they usually play fantastical archetypes like like wizards and and warriors and and um, thieves and and all kinds of swashbuckling dudes. So. I think I covered like the the high level. Did I miss anything? It's just a in that explanation.
1: Uh, I don't think so. Like what? My, I I oh, like it to-
0: involves a lot of dice rolling.
1: Yeah, I like how you sort of, and I think what your explanation there did was because I'm sure as soon as Mike pulled Dungeons and Dragons out of that topic, random topic generator, about fifty percent of our listeners groaned and either turned off the show and walked away, or and the other fifty percent leaned forward and went and were like, "Go on, huzzah!" You know, um, <laughs> so, so I really, I, I do think that it is divisive, and your explanation was also because part. Of it was extremely uh, s- simple and and sounds enticing, but then on the other hand, there's there's stuff that it, it delves into extreme detail and complication, right? So you have your oh, you know, it's sitting around your table with friends using your imagination. It's a game played together. That part, you know, you got me. Sounds pretty good. But then it's like, but then there's, you know, there's strictly rules and tons of rules and then there's dice and then there's this and there's that. And that's where people, I think, start being like, okay, this is high-level nerd shit going on, right?
0: Yeah, like it seems like there's sort of two streams to me in my experience playing the role-playing games is that part of it is the shared storytelling and part of it is how do you fairly decide how the world operates and so the game mechanics are there to be like when you shoot your bow you know how likely are you to hit your target and what are all the difficulty levels for different targets if you're fighting a giant two-headed orger chances are you'll probably hit him because He's really big and massive, and it's hard to miss. But he might have thick skin, so you you could hit with your arrow, but it still wouldn't hurt it. So there's there's a lot of um, there are a lot of r- expressions in the form of rules that kind of try to handle this. And the company that that makes any company that makes role playing games is um, its endeavor is always to make the rules as simple as possible, yet uh fair in terms of you know how the world operates in the collective imagination
2: but that being said um it's uh you, you know it's it's because it is imagination role playing type thing and because the person who's leading the story the dungeon master can kind of draw things one way or or another there, the rules are like guidelines and i think oftentimes you can just do whatever um, I wanted to. I want to take a step back here. Let's also face it um, uh, that it's also a good way to detect a nerd. So when you say you play Dungeons and Dragons, people are like <laughs> nerd. nerd. <laughs> their 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 nerd dar goes off because you know people who are cool play fantasy football, which is probably the same type of thing, just with the guise of of cool jock stuff. But uh, when I was a kid, I felt like I was a bit nerdy. I still am a bit nerdy, and I played uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons when I was probably like twelve. I think twelve to thirteen or eleven to twelve, something like that. And um, these friends of mine, uh, Kevin and Brendan, uh, Brendan the older brother was a dungeon master, and he would just let Nerd. things go. go <laughs> he would just let things go awry. And uh, I remember it like degrading into that we were playing. Um, uh, you know you know that game 500 up where you throw a ball out and give points well, we would just we would just take breaks from playing Dungeons and dragons and he would he would give gold we'd pay 500 up with frisbees so like it was just like it That's was really cool. loose and it was it always remained fun because the person running the thing can just you know make the rules go however anyone likes it so it's like I think it's you can play it strict or you can play it loose I think at core the base of it is that it is an imagination game uh, where where really what drives things are the interactions of the players and the dungeon master and less
1: about the rules or a or a scripted narrative, though that can play a part too. But see, I think, and this is what's what's interesting because I never played Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. However, in the playground, and I remember this, and you can talk to my friend, my childhood friends, who still remember this to this day. I was essentially a dungeon master, which meaning I was the. I would script out imaginative events. At the time, Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles, whatever would be really popular. I would sort of be like, okay, you know, there's – we're the Ghostbusters. This is going on. And I would literally have like three or four friends running around um, like pretending. We're all mutually pretending. But with the with the addition of that little structure that's, you know, six, seven-year-old Crofton is providing, um, that it adds – Something not just and and they told me literally as adults having that they they remember this and, and enjoy this because essentially what they're getting is they're getting that little bit of structure that holds them that grounds them and then and then allows them to fly into sort of like a, a, a world uh, of adventure because I do believe that if you remove the, the the person that is essentially not playing with you, that is kind of scripting the events and saying stuff as, uh, as they happen, um, and presenting all this magical stuff to the other people, if that person didn't exist, in, or if they just greenlit everything and said, oh, you know what? You threw your dagger at that monster, you hit him 100% of the time, because that's more fun. Um, I think at one point it would stop being fun, and I think it I think that what makes the game so popular is that as you get older, away from childhood, you demand that structure a little more. To be able to liberate your imagination, to let yourself sort of go as an adult, you need almost more structure. And, and Dungeons and & Dragons provides provides that additional structure while still enabling your imagination.
2: Yeah, I think pretty well w- well said there. And, uh, you know, and sometimes in we, we often think of I- imagination as kind of the realm of childhood. And I think a lot of us, <clears throat> a lot of people as they move into adulthood sort of just – don't use their imagination that much. They get cut up with the responsibilities of life, the ins and outs of a day job, and and other commitments here and there, and don't spend a lot of time delving into the their imagination. But I think a lot of people. I mean, you know, full disclosure. We've uh, to our listeners, we've all played Dungeons and Dragons together uh, fairly recently, even and uh you know we're getting older now and and it's and it's it's fun because it just it's just it's an opportunity to kind of just mm-hmm. let your mind uh you know c- carry a story along to play a role uh along with other people to kind of to kind of make an adventure and it just it just it's, it's yeah. fanciful and it's whimsy and it's uh, a lot of fun
0: i feel a little bit though like like that's a it's a good explanation because we have played the dnd games and um I'd argue that like we've had some really memorable storytelling experiences um that you wouldn't get anywhere else. Like that just sort of came out of everyone's combined input into how to overcome a story. Where for you know, if we're gonna talk about our game, there was a time where uh you, Mike and Crofton, you each were playing a dwarf and a gnome. And in order to infiltrate this, uh, what we say it was a cabal of mages or something, it was, you know, a wizarding school, um, you you know, you slew, they were evil, so you slew one. And then um, I think Crofton, your gnome sat on the shoulders of the dwarf and you put on the robes and infiltrated, you know, uh, by sitting on his shoulders and pretending to be this big thing. And there was all kinds of skill checks to make sure you guys didn't get
2: found out. And a lot of funny things ensued as a result <laughs> of that, you know. And, I, I feel I feel like it's one of those. Now we have to say oh, you had to be there because because <laughs> that retelling of it doesn't sound that but funny. I, but, but it was definitely a fun time. When no, we were... but I think that's the point I'm trying to make
0: is that um, I think a lot of people who might feel a little hesitant about trying a game like that. You know, I think there was a good point you mentioned about as we become adults, we're less inclined to value imagination unless that imagination is providing very immediate, tangible results. Um, and uh, so, you know, if you're imagining how to make yourself rich, then oh, it's a good use of imagination. But, you know, if it's a flight of fancy about being, you know, in some magical land, just doing fun things, then that's probably a waste of time. And and I think that's um, a very cynical sort of view on imagination. I think it's good to exercise your imagination. And, and I think that that, like... I think more people should engage in Dungeons and Dragons because of um, just the the unique kind of fun you can have in pretending to be something you're not in a world that doesn't exist. But that Crofton mentioned has a structure of rules and has a structure of fairness to it in that if you decide to face a really hard challenge that might kill you, it actually can kill you. Like you can play this game and your character can just can die. Like we can die in real life when we do try to do, uh, f- you know, amazing feats. So, um, there's a, you know, if you really suspend your disbelief, you can really get a lot of value out of doing it. I'm being preachy right now and less but, sort of objective about it, but.
1: Okay. Okay. Then. So what are some, let's, let's look at some criticisms here uh, because correct me if I'm wrong. And this is something that I, again, I was out of tune with Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid, I didn't really know what it was, but I know for a while there was some sort of, like, controversy surrounding it. Like, I think in the 80s.
2: Yeah, there was a huge controversy around it. People thought that it was sort of Satan worship. And uh, I I can't – like, I don't know the the roots of it, but there definitely was – and I recall – I mentioned I played as a kid. And I recall my mom being quite worried about me playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons because she had heard some story about – A kid who played Dungeons and Dragons, and I guess he got reality confused with his imagination or something. And you know, tried to cast a spell of flight on himself, and then leapt off a building and, and and died. And my mom thought this was a true story. It may be. I I, I, I think,
1: think that wasn't that in like a Tom Hanks movie, wasn't it? Yeah, th-
2: there there was a movie about it. Maybe it's from that. But, it, but, but there but were there was some there was a murder. There was some people. There was a, a young
0: person I think murdered his parents, and he was said to have played Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know that it was related or not. But that's what provided the initial scare. It was an actual, I think, life event. The, really? That well, could be that, that could be just a made up tale too. But, but there
2: also was a there was a lot of made up stuff around and I think a lot of it large part was the idea of it, that it was sort of satanic in nature, but it definitely was a big thing, and I, I know my mom was quite con- concerned about it. Well, and worried that, if you look and at I some think, of the books, too, they're very intricately illustrated with demons on them and stuff like that. Oh, so. yeah, I mean, it could come off that way, and and I think that maybe, maybe you know, I, I think it was largely blown, blown out of proportion, but maybe there is some validity to this criticism in, I think, in that the, the idea being that if you're immersing yourself in sort of a mad imag- imaginary world and you let that kind of take over your life to the point where the imaginary world is more important than the real world then I think that there are certain social problems associated with that I wouldn't overstate it as I think some people have but like anything if you get too obsessed with it and it's and, and it is about creating this alternate world um, that that maybe there are some the some negatives to that
1: yeah it the movie, just to to clarify my point from earlier, is called Mazes and Monsters, and, <laughs> and, and I, that's uh, not
0: endorse it. Just that's a no, waste no, of but your no, should, it was a
2: thing.
1: It was yeah, Tom Hanks's. So. It was Tom Hanks's first first movie, uh, and uh his character Robbie experiences a psychotic episode where he hallucinates that he has slain a monster called a goreville. And from this point forward, he believes he is actually his character, the cleric Pardieu. Um, And and that leads him to do, you know, a bunch of crazy stuff, including jumping off the world trade center. Or that something. Awesome. I want yeah. To watch the game. Anyway, I'm, I'm is sure. Does he die in the end? He dies when he jumps off the world. Tournament? No, I, no, I, I, don't know about that. I didn't read that. I don't want to spoil it because I may indeed watch it at Once Upon a Time. But it, it, was obviously part of it, a larger cultural concern surrounding, uh, you know, surrounding these games. And um, yeah, obviously, uncontrolled imagineering or imagination is, uh, is problem. You know, can have some, can have some risk. But I, you know, that really to me I, feels feels like something that is blown entirely out of proportion.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say, I feel like I don't think imagination poses any risk to anyone. I think that that's more like the person may need some education on on the differences between reality, or if you know, if they if if they, if someone can't tell that you really can't cast a spell of flight on yourself or. That, you know, murdering people is, in fact, a very serious thing in real life, you know. It's not, I don't know that it's the game enabling someone.
2: I think that's, you know, there's a different well, problem there. Well, I, I think also right off the, you know, right off the get-go, it is, it defines itself as a game and states rules. So, it, yeah. you know, it's not like it's trying to be something it isn't. You know, I was thinking like imagination, getting out of control. What was that cult where they all killed themselves where they thought aliens, spaceship, was going behind the moon or something? Oh i don't remember do they live in the in a forest gate, somewhere As a heaven gate people but you see like that clearly is imagination got out of control because it's purporting to be something true uh and some charismatic leader drawing people along but i mean this is a game it states itself as a game you'd have to have some serious mental issues to begin with to take it to the level of 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 harm though you know maybe if you're predisposed to psychotic episodes you might not want to you know play too much D D. you might want to not do lsd as well yeah uh,
0: i i can i can i change the the course of conversation a little bit away from the <laughs> the negative no, the, no.
1: the,
2: the, the love in the false yeah, the false yeah, negatives
1: i i agree with no you're disagreeing with the negative it doesn't make make it a false negative and that's it like you shouldn't just turn it back for love. And I, I want to I talk about other criticisms. Uh, I have another one. I have one with it, which is I feel that it, something that is, that purports to be like sort of freeing of your imagination is in fact extremely limiting in many ways of uh, in your imagination. Beau introduced us to a game... Not too long ago, called Fiasco, and I don't want to. I don't want to plug it too too much. But essentially, it's a game of that gives you some some very loose guidelines and allows you to create kind of a, a fictitious in a, a world or or scenario and that sort of thing. Dungeons and Dragons has everything spelt out for you. There are only certain monsters in Dungeons and Dragons. There are certain races. There are certain like they have literally books that are written about uh Dungeons and Dragons I mean novels not necessarily the the guidebooks which also exist but like every you know everything is spelled out yeah there's nothing that really stops you from from breaking the rules but the rules are partly what keep it grounded and i find like there's only so much fantasy you want to to partake in when you could have different other types of imagination and playing the same thing over and over. And these campaigns go on for, they can go on for years and years, people meeting every, every week. It it, it feels like while it's freeing your imagination in some regards, it's shackling it in another way.
0: Yeah. I, I think again, that's an experience thing because, you know, we've played it and I, I think it, I'm kind of a nerd for rules sometimes. And I like, you know, knowing all the mechanics, but, um, you know, if you flip it on its head and you look at the improv improvisational side, um, getting bogged down in rules really ruins the fun of improvisation. So it's really about finding that sweet spot. And I, I do think that, um, you know, that they serve their market by making a lot of rule books and a lot of different things. But sometimes it undermines the... That sort of pacing that you need when you do this kind of activity uh, to not undermine the improvisation. For example, when we were doing combat, and that's where the I think the most rules exist is when you go to fight that uh, you know giant dragon. You've got to consider distance from the target. You've got to consider armor class. So how difficult. Are they to hit? Whether they're they're quick or they have um, you know thick skin or, or wearing a certain type of armor, and you know what are their resistances to things like it can get. This is I think where people who are not inclined to play these kind of games will check out because it, it gets so convoluted. Um, so I and, you know in revising it because I'd like to start another game session with uh, friends, and um, I'm really rethinking just how pedantic or how rules heavy combat is because it really slows the game down. Um, But I think that's, again, that's a group per group thing. And, and you sort of feel that out. Um, What like you guys, so you guys have had the experience of, of playing as characters in it. I think what were your favorite things, or what did you take away from both good and negative from from participating in Dungeons and Dragons as an adult as opposed to as a as a kid?
2: Well, I th- I think it like anything fantastical, it allows you to play out aspects of your personality which you otherwise may not uh, may not explore uh, in in your real life. You know, I consider myself a pretty cordial person. I'm fairly polite in things at work, but maybe it would be fun to be a seven foot tall orc warrior and smash things apart and be obsessed with, you know, uh, warfare or something like that, just yeah. because, you know, maybe that's, there, there's some subtle aspect of my personality that likes that kind of thing, but it's not really who I am, but, you know, in this kind of, this the structure of this imagination play, you can be like, you know what, I'm just going to draw that out and kind of explore it uh, f- for, for fun's sake. I mean, and then the last uh, time we played, I played as a cleric who was sort of a goody two-shoe and trying to heal everyone and trying to avoid avoid conflict and that and that was fun in one sense but but you know if i think if i play again i might want to like explore different aspect of a personality essentially it's, a, it's allowing yourself to to be to be someone different it's like play acting and, and that's fun sometimes it's nice to step outside of yourself step outside of your skin and just kind of kind of have fun with that yeah crofton what are the things you took away from from playing dungeons and dragons
1: I'd say what I like the most about it um, for for me was was essentially pushing the boundaries of what the rules are. Because the dungeon master has a lot of imaginative freedom. So there's an individual who's controlling how the game works. So controlling all the characters you meet, the monsters you meet, the situations that you were in. Really everything is being imagined by this one individual. So they have a lot, they have a lot of power. What I really liked doing was being like, okay, I have a limited amount of imaginative control over this world, but I do have some, just like as an individual, you have control in your day-to-day life of the world around you, but you don't control everything. And so I, I really liked looking at the rules, what the rules are of the game and seeing how I could push them in different ways. What are ways that What are boundaries or little tricks that I could do with my – that stays sort of true to my character and that that allows me to enjoy the game more? So I really like that and as the dungeon master, Bo was very good at accommodating these things. So instead of just being like, no, you can't do that because that's the rules – he would he would say, well, you know that 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 could be possible. Maybe let's think. Does that make sense here? Roll a roll a check for it or whatever. And and for those of you who've never played Dungeons and Dragons, that's essentially while there it it may seem overwhelming with all the rules, and that that can be mostly in combat. The reality is the the most of the walking around in the world thing is you're just rolling a simple dice. So you have a number for something. For instance, my character was good at acrobatics, which is ironic because i'm possibly the least acrobatic person you would ever meet (laughs) but my character was really good at acrobatics so if there was um uh you know something i wanted to do bo as the dungeon master would tell me he'd say okay that requires acrobatics so i'm going to make you do an acrobatics check so i would say i want to jump over this hole and he would say okay you need acrobatics of, you know, 6. And I would I might have a, a character that has acrobatics of 4. I get to roll a dice and add them together. Oh, you know, I pass so my guy jumps over. And if I didn't pass, then he would, you know, fall in the hole or something like that. So that was always that's that's how it works and I always like pushing the the boundaries of those limitations quite a bit. I always found that enjoyable.
2: I have a question for you guys. Uh, what do you think the chances are that any of our listeners have hung around to this point in the show <laughs> that we haven't nerded them all out yet? Um, you know what? I think that a lot of people
0: have because, uh, you know, our show's about exploring. You know, sometimes we talk about I, things. That, I hope uh, so.
2: But but as Crofton said at the start, you know, sometimes when, when people hear this, the, the topic, like, let's face it, there is definitely a stigma around Dungeons & Dragons. There's a lot of people, as soon as you were to mention, I think, you know, I think we've done a pretty good job. Yeah. Uh, of explaining the kind of imagination play and all that but if some people as soon as they hear that are just going to be turned off and not even going to give it a chance because of preconceptions or because of or associations they make with us with a type of nerdy person that they don't want to associate with yeah. and that's maybe well, unfortunate.
0: And, and that's what i would say is that we talked about one type of association in the sort of negative area which was you know people have been dismissive of the game because people take the game too far allegedly but the other thing is it's a bunch of fat dudes or really skinny nerdy dudes eating Cheetos drinking tons of f- soft drinks and you know just stay playing this nerdy thing all night because they can't get real girlfriends or real nerds boys. yeah and and I think that's I mean I, I would feel defensive because I'm a, I'm a fan of role-playing games and I'm a fan of imagination games but but just if I could answer the question about what I like about Dungeons & Dragons is it's it's the same thing that I think you get out of all games, which is all games offer an opportunity for you to learn something about yourself if you pay attention to it. And if you have fun, I mean, don't just sit there being self-analytical, but as you play games and as you you know feel like you're not doing well or you, you know whatever's happening to you within the context of the game, there's something of value there to be learned. And in the context of D&D, it's really about... Engaging in what's happening around you in a very uh, proactive way, and you know, um, there's stuff to learn about your friends as well as yourself. And I think it's a really great way to explore those things, uh, you know, with uh, with others. So to me, uh, you know, I didn't play as a character, even though sometimes I really want to because I want to do silly things. Um, I really enjoyed trying to fabricate a really entertaining narrative that you and puzzles that you guys would try and figure out. So. You know, it's uh, to me, it, it's that experience, and it's true of poker as much as it is Dungeons and Dragons. So I think everyone should
2: give. And it I a mean, try. it is given a lot of credit uh, as the kind of first, the thing that brought the idea of of role playing or fantasy or fantasy sort of play into a kind of more mainstream, <clears throat> which which you can then draw off a lot of uh, video game culture is huge, and and some people would say the Dungeons and Dragons had a lot kind of to, to help foster in some of the role-playing elements of video yeah. gaming. You know, and, and I, would, I would be curious to know, I mentioned it earlier sort of in jest, but fantasy football, I, I doubt there's any distinct connection between Dungeons and & Dragons and fantasy football, it, unless maybe it was just legitimizing the idea of fantasy play with your friends and just in a context which with maybe which jocks find more socially acceptable or whatever, because really it's the same type of thing, just in different, a different garb, really.
1: I do find it funny how like, and this is one thing because I know a lot of people that are in fantasy World Cup soccer things right now, and uh, (laughs) yeah, a lot of jocks. A lot of people at my work, but see, what you guys are doing right now is you're stereotyping those people. You're immediately calling them jocks and sort of dismissing them somewhat, and it is funny because that's what people do with niche interests, uh, that aren't their own interests. Right. And, uh, and I think that, I think that Dungeons and Dragons is niche. Like it, and, and I think that it's, it, it is very easy to point at it and be like, only nerds play this game because, you know, uh, it's, Had it it, it maybe it's associated with geek culture and with geeks and nerds in general, you know, just like, just like, yeah, there probably are a fair amount of jocks, although I would argue it's more sports nerds that are playing, that are playing like, uh, you know, fantasy sports. But it's the same, it's the same deal where you have an assumption, you make an assumption about this thing with this group of people. And so if you don't self identify as a geek or a nerd, then you then when you hear Dungeons and Dragons, if you're like, Oh, that's a nerd thing, I'm not gonna play that because I don't self identify as a geek or a nerd, right? And yeah. I, I, it's, so it's
0: yeah. I think I say D and D for jokes just because it's like sports isn't a niche and I think people definitely perceive uh, these kinds of things as a niche thing. But,
1: but- Lord well, Lord like- of the Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings isn't a niche movie it was a huge blockbuster yeah. movie but playing Dungeons and Dragons is niche watching sports is hugely mainstream but playing fantasy sports is niche so uh,
2: yeah. Like, yeah it's niche I, within, within it but it also comes down to that people do identify themselves as, as you know a not only do people stereotype each other, everyone does it to some extent, but I think people also self-identify as well. There's a lot of people who would call themselves geeks and be proud of it and enjoy that type of stuff. And a lot of people who would call themselves, yeah, I'm a jock. And they're, and they're really jock nerds. You know, then they get into the niche subculture of, uh, of the thing. But, uh, you know, I think, I think my point was more, was more that, I'm glad to see that imagination play extends beyond just the people who like sort of fantasy, uh, you know, classical fantasy-type uh, settings, that uh, that it's more uh, a mainstream thing to be like, hey, you know, I like this type of thing. Why don't we just explore with our imagination? And I think that's a good thing in general because I think sometimes we've lost that sense of play and imagination and exploration as adults, and I'm glad to see it in general coming coming back, and I think that Dungeons & Dragons has played some role in, in maybe mainstreaming it a little bit, that type of thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, are we ready for for verdict? Yes. You know, and I think, I think you know, uh, being that we uh, disclosed earlier that I played it when I was young and I played more recently, so I'm just going to say I think Dungeons & Dragons is good. And, I mean, I'm biased because I personally enjoy it. I could understand that someone who just, the whole fantasy type stuff and settings just turns them off and they wouldn't like it Uh, but, but I think that beyond that it's the idea of the of the imagination, using your imagination as an adult, not being afraid to 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 just have fantasy, have fun with your your friends, make stuff up. Because I think it's good for your brain. And just and I think now there's a lot more options than just Dungeons and Dragons. You know, in a in a box, there's a lot of other ways. You know, Craft mentioned that game Fiasco. We've played things like fantasy sports leagues. Like those are all same type of thing. And I think that's a good thing for adults to to, to stretch your brain, use your imagination. So yeah, I think it's good.
0: Yeah. All right. I'll go up next. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is most definitely good. And I think what makes it so iconic is that it really is a one of a kind recent um, type of game. You know, you can't really point to anything in history that's comparable. Um, It's actually a very social game. I mean, you can have flights of fantasy on your own, and we do daydream all the time. Um, but what makes this special is the fact that you are sharing it with others. That's uh, I think its defining characteristic is that it's a group effort. And um, and I think you know Dungeons and Dragons is the progenitor of all kinds of you know there's um, like you know uh, Men in Black type role playing games. There are sci fi role playing games. There's there's all kinds of um, you know different. Uh, settings and different rule types inspired by this invention and I think it's a brilliant thing and I think um, we do it a lot of disservice to ourselves and to others you know we I don't want to rehash the whole labeling issue because it really doesn't matter in that it is a very engaging activity that I highly recommend that everyone experience once and I just wanted to mention too that I wasn't playing it for a really long time since high school, um, but it was that episode of Community. Uh, it's the second season where they all sit down to play a game that was uh, so so striking to me that it made me want to play it because it wasn't depicting nerds playing it. It was normal people engaging in this in this fun way that seemed really positive. And um, that's really what brought me back and got us all playing. Uh, so, you know, if... If you're interested in getting seduced uh, to see if you'd want to do that, I'd recommend watching that episode.
1: Yeah, that's true. That is that is a good episode of that show, and uh, and it would be a it is a good gateway drug. It gives you a sense if you didn't get from our random anecdotes of how the game worked. It would probably give you a much uh, a much better idea. I would say like like it's funny because it's it's really clear to me that Dungeons and Dragons is good. So I'll say it right now: Dungeons and Dragons is good. Huzzah! But, I would also say that Dungeons & Dragons, and this expands a bit on Mike's comment, is not for everyone. Um, And uh, I know... It's good for everybody to 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 work their imagination as much as possible, and to to do you know there's various ways that they can do that. But I definitely wouldn't ever say that Dungeons and Dragons is a game for everyone. It just it doesn't have universal appeal. It's it's rel- it's relatively niche. It's pioneering and and has really opened the floodgates for all sorts of different things. Uh, and for that, it can't get enough recognition. But at the same point, um, you know, I know a lot of people that would not enjoy it or that just would not, it would not be their thing, you know, and and that's fine. There is nothing wrong with that. And if you are one of those people, first of all, kudos for listening to an entire podcast about Dungeons and Dragons, even though you're not, even though you're not interested in it, but don't feel like you need to you need to try it there there is definitely value in it and it is and we have enjoyed it personally um but i, I definitely think that it it's good with the caveat that that it might not be it might not be your thing. It's definitely my thing. I really like it. And while our last campaign took us multiple years and I may need a break, I'm sure that I will come back to it at at one point. And when when I have a kid that's old enough to play it, I'm sure they'll enjoy watching me play it.
0: Yeah. Oh, and that's I would I would <laughs> good verdict. And I would say like that's the one thing is when you have five or six adults playing and everyone has a life, it's really hard to coordinate a time to play. That that can be very challenging.
2: All right, but so but, but also I would just say, but also worthwhile to make that type that kind of time as adults. I think that people, you know, it's harder and harder to make that time, but it's just it's just worth it to, to try, even if it's once every six months. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. we're we're preaching to the converted, but definitely give it a try. All right, that's three goods.
0: Um, yeah so uh listen we want to hear uh what your concerns or why you wouldn't want to play dungeons and dragons or if you do play role-playing games we'd love to hear your amazing stories about your characters or adventures uh we'll read those messages on the show so email us at goodbadbull at gmail.com um sorry crofton's laughter just i just
1: yeah i'm sorry i thought i was muted there but like i just i know that if i was like oh yeah i I, will write in and then then bo's like and tell us your adventures and then we will read them on air and publicly shame you
0: no we won't shame you we'll celebrate it but listen you got to keep them short i'm not reading an entire novel or anything all right guys um Uh, So you can email us at goodbadbull at gmail.com. If you want to subscribe to the show, uh, I recommend you visit our website, goodbadbull.com. There you can find links to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or uh, use any old podcatcher with our RSS feed. uh, if you want to follow, uh, find out more about what you know, Michael's up to. Michael, where can our listeners find you?
2: Uh, they can find the ramblings of my D and D character at Harlan the Elder. Ah, that's true. Actually, your D and D character has a Twitter
0: account. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, um, Crofton. Uh, if our listeners want to find out more about what you're up to, where can they find they you?
1: They can find find me conjuring up my next adventure in the D and D universe at Crofton Steers on Twitter.
0: All right. And you can find me at Bo Schwartz. And uh, you can also find our Twitter feed at GoodBadBull. All right, guys. Uh, why don't we do a little mini campaign to uh, take us out? What do you guys say? Nerds. So Michael as Harlan the Elder, a dwarf cleric. And uh, Crofton is Theron Flashblade, a gnome rogue. I
2: believe he was a halfling
0: r- rogue. Oh, that's was right. It? He was a it's halfling true. rogue. Okay. What kind I'm of used, dungeon I'm master i used to are that you?
1: sort of racism.
0: All right. So you both uh, wake up simultaneously, uh, naked except for loincloths, in a dank uh, cell that is very dark. But you can make out a, a gated iron
2: door, and um, I, I start the morning by giving praise uh, to Pelor, the god of agriculture, whom I worship. Okay. Let me let me roll a dice.
0: Okay. You successfully praise to Pelor, but there doesn't seem to be any immediate effect, I... such as faith.
1: Go ahead. I take a swig of my flask, look at my loin cl- cloth, and say, Oi! Not again.
0: Okay, well, you don't have any items on you. You just have your loincloth. Um, you. I keep my you, flask under my loincloth. Yeah, so as you guys both wake up and you think about what I might have happened last night, you do remember uh, being in a tavern and a fine elven maiden you were trying to uh, seduce. Um, but, you know, you're sort of drawing a, a hazy blank on, on anything that might have Put you in this particular predicament. I was clearly successful. That information is not known.
1: All right,
2: uh, I'm. I'm gonna take up my brother's gear. I gotta go move a table. Oh! <laughs> <All right. laughs> I just added reality to the Dungeons and Dragons.
0: You got anything to say on it? You haven't jumped in on Well, it's
1: because you both wouldn't shut up.